Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to all of my international listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keys, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com Internet Radio. And I want to start out by saying we have a lot to cover, so uh, we're going to be going going at it here. And now, how are you, my listeners out there, my international listeners? <clears throat> Excuse me. I know that you all are out there, and I know that you're doing just great. I myself am doing just fine. Uh, feeling good and excited to be talking with you all on this beautiful day that God has given us in spite of the temperature that is off the chain. Get this. The, the high today is 109 and tomorrow is going to be 110. You know, so uh, all I can say is yikes. Uh, we haven't had rain for months. Uh, we had a little bit of rain. I was just discussing with, um, my engineer shout out today. We had a little bit of rain um, last week, but it was like just enough to make the uh, you know the cars uh, dirty and you know other things that are outside a little dirty, but nothing of significance to talk about. And I know that you all out there had a fabulous Father's Day this past Sunday. Um, we had a good celebration. Time is going faster and faster. Um, you know, listeners, you know the next thing you know, we only have one more week left to this month, and we are going to be the 1st of July very quickly. Okay. And, um, now that I'm done with all of that, the weather report and all, um, I just, I have a question that I would like to ask you, you guys. Are you all hip to the freehackreport.com? I heard about it recently and it's regarding stolen passwords just waiting to be used by a hacker. So what the report says is to type in your email address, listeners, and the report will tell you for free all the important, um, all the information hackers have, supposedly. Okay. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm gonna. So check it out. And, um, you know, okay. So, you know, see if there's anything that is that, you know, that is relevant. Okay. So I have a question for you all out there. Did you want to see Robert De Niro on the Tony Awards and what he said about Trump? I mean, you know, first Robert De Niro, if you remember, you know, he was denouncing Trump. And then he turned around and said, OK, let's give him a, a chance. And so right there um, on the stage, he said, you know, uh, fuck Trump. And it's no longer down with Trump is fuck Trump. You know, and I wow. I'm like, OK, Robert. <laughs> OK. And um, I know you. um um you know, um, you know, for me, you know, it's, it, I, I don't know what's going to be going on with, with this administration, particularly in the wake of what's happening in our country right now, which uh, I am going to be discussing in this show. So I just want to remind you listeners to get out and vote. This is a, uh, um, a very important time this year. You know, we're headed on to, you know, midterm elections, which is in November. And um, I just want to once again say, if you have not registered to vote, go and register, <clears throat> go and register to vote. Um, if you are registered to vote, get out and vote. And once you register to vote, to please go vote. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I know that you guys are are hip to if you have not been hip to a lot of these states 
here are talking about that if you haven't voted in a while, they're going to be, you know, you may get your, they may take away your voting right, which I think is, is just so, so bad, but it, it's important to, to get out there and vote. So please do that. Okay. Now this is going to be another great conversation that I will be having with my guest, the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell. And we are going to be discussing the following topics. Okay. My dinner table conversation is titled inspiration is the thing of the past. Really? The, desti- the despicable behavior of this country is going to be more, is going to more than bite us in our butt. Native American tribes went big at the Supreme Court. Chinese investments in the U.S. drops 90% amid political pressure. Black fathers share their fears and hopes for their sons in America today. And Obama to America, we have to do more than say this isn't who we are. We have to prove it. All right. Let's start off with my dinner table conversation suggestion, which is titled Inspiration is the Thing of the Past. Really? My mind is always thinking, listeners, about topics that I can, you know, present to you um, that would be, of course, interesting. You know, a topic that would be educational and controversial, most definitely. So there is a lot of talk lately about a number of things, and inspiration is one that I have been hearing a lot about lately. So let's delve into this for a moment for our dinner table conversation suggestion. What exactly is inspiration and what does it mean? Well, let's talk about its meaning. According to n.oxforddictionary.com, it means the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. Oh, I like and I agree with that definition, listeners. Now, let's talk about what exactly is inspiration. Now, according to Merriam-Webster, it says that uh, it says it this way, something that makes someone want to do something or that gives someone an idea about what to do or create is a force or influence that inspires someone, a person, place, experience, etc. that makes someone want to do or create something. It's a good idea. Okay. I like it. I agree with all of what they just said. However, I'm going to put my spin on this inspiration uh, topic for dinner table conversation. Having inspiration is also a gift as we all come locked and loaded with great things and different things. For me, the capability to inspire someone is phenomenal. It's igniting the flame or the engine within someone to develop something that will assist human beings in the right way, spiritually, and lovingly, thereby bettering the populace for years to come. The thing is, is that once a person, you know, has this inspiration, they need to be very careful of how they start creating it. But here comes the but. Inspiration, in my opinion, can be used for good or for bad. Because the truth be told, for example, my listeners, is that one can inspire someone to go to the opposite direction that will not be best for them to see their dream, their goals to fruition. And truth be told, when this happens, it is done intentionally and or they know that they do not have the right equipment to steer an individual in the right direction. But they continue to talk with them as as though they know what they are talking about. 
as they could see the hunger in this, uh, you know, this individual or these individuals to accomplish achievements. Now, what should um, be said is that, you know, if an individual know that they do not have the equipment to to do what needs to be done to steer this individual um, inspiration wise is to, you know, tell them to please seek help elsewhere other than myself. But a lot of these individuals have ego, so the ego won't allow them to say that. So I'm just saying to my listeners to be aware. So here are my questions to you all out there. Is inspiration really a thing of the past? Having the gift of inspiration, do you offer assistance if they want it when you see someone struggling in some areas or area of their lives? Should someone ask you for advice, do you assist them by answering their questions as succinct and intelligent with understanding and kindness? Should you not be capable to help inspire them in the right direction toward their quest? Do you refer them to someone who can inspire them, knowing that you cannot give someone something you ain't got? Having the ability to, uh, having the ability to inspire my listeners, in my opinion, is corporal. It is remarkable. It is miraculous. Just, just think about it. If it was not for individuals being creative and coupling inspiration with it, we could be missing out on a number of great inventions that, you know, propel human beings in their lives. For example, Ford and his cars, Madame Curie and radiation, great feats in medicine and technology, and the list goes on and on. Who are some individuals who inspired you when you needed it? And or still inspire you, my listeners, your parents, your parent, clergy, priest, teacher, sibling. Inspiration is not a thing of the past. It is extremely vital and very relevant to assist the populace to continue to move forward and evolve into the creative giants God intended them to be. Now, as I've always said with my dinner table conversation, if this is not a topic of your choice, please interject one of your own. The whole premise about it is to get everyone to come to the table and have a conversation. It's a beautiful thing. All right. I'm going to bring on my guest right now. As I said, we have a lot to discuss, and I'm very, very energetic and ready to go. His name is Reginald C. Campbell. He is inspirational. He is the world's best mental health therapist. He is my brother, and I truly enjoy having him on my show. Thank you, Reginald, for joining me. And how are you this day? Well, thank you for having me. I'm good. Um, just out and about, getting my day started, and um, just uh, just looking forward to getting the day going. And you know, speaking of inspiring and helping and inspiring anyone who comes in my path. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Okay, now I want to start off with um, the despicable behavior of this country is going to be is going to more than bite us in the butt, Reginald. Now, a cut, according to um, a post, uh, a, a report by Huff Post titled Methodists Bring Church Charges Against Jeff Sessions um, um, <laughs> Border Policy, clergy and laity yeah. are demanding are demanding accountability from Jeff Sessions a long-time Methodist. Now, this report is by Carol Curaville, dated 6-19-2018. Uh, 
And it says, Reginald, that more than 600 clergy and lay members of the United Methodist Church have signed a letter bringing church charges against fellow member Attorney General Jeff Sessions for the zero tolerance immigration policy that has resulted in the separation of undocumented children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, it says that... um The the formal accusation issued on Monday charges Sessions with numerous violations of the denomination's book of discipline, including child abuse, immorality, racial discrimination, and Reginald for his citation of Romans 13 to defend the policy, the the dissemination of doctrines contrary to the standards of the UMC. Now, it says that uh, as members of the United uh, Methodist Church, we deeply hope for a recon- uh, reconciling process that will help this longtime member of our connection step back from his harmful actions and work to repair the damage he is currently causing to immigrants, particularly children and families, the letter states. So what do you think about this so far, Reginald? You know, this whole thing is just so despicable and heartbreaking and, and sick. Um, yes. You know, from 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 Donald Trump to Jeff Sessions to Ann Coulter, Paul Coulter, and a lot of these other, you know, right wing types who are, you know, making excuses for what is happening, and it, it's 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 a sad sad day in our country. Where this is happening, mm-hmm. and, and there's a there's a warm place in hell for a lot of these people. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's time that someone stepped up and said something. So I'm glad Jeff Sessions Church that someone had had the positive audacity to say something and and to take a step towards that because I'm so tired of people using scripture to back up their sickness, their racism, their hate, and their evil. Nobody exactly. can quote scripture better than faith. You know, so I'm not Thank you. I'm not uh, you know, impressed by someone who can who can quote scripture. It's, it's mm-hmm. your action. It's your mm-hmm. action. How how in the world can you treat children this way? Mm-hmm. How can you and, and um Laura Ingram said uh, you know these these camps are like summer camps. She attends them to to summer camps. Are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding yeah. me? Isn't that she's, crazy? She's isn't that crazy? She's, she's a mother. It is. It's crazy. She's she's yes. a mother. And 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 this is how you feel. This is what you say. So so it's it's sad. And you know, as you said earlier, this is gonna this is gonna come back to bite this country straight in the butt. Straight in the butt. I mean, it's going to be bad, you know. Um, the, the, the article, uh, thank you for that, Reginald. That was very well put. The article uh, goes on to say concerns raised by, raised by our church friends about separating families are not fair or logical. Um, um, he said in the speech of Fort Wayne, Indiana, I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained them for the purpose of order. I don't think so. Um, he says that uh, uh, Sessions also said, I do not believe scripture or church history or reasons condemn a secular nation state for having reasonable immigration laws. If we have them, then they should be enforced. So um 
Reverend David Wright, you know, he's a UMC pastor regional and chaplain at the University of Puget Sound in Washington State. Um, he was the primary organizer of the letter, Reginald, <laughs> against Sessions. And Wright told United Methodist Church that he doesn't want Sessions to be expelled from the denomination, but is hoping the charges result in Sessions being called in for pastoral counseling. Now, so here's what I want to say, Reginald, and then I want to hear your uh, last comment about this, is that this country has not grown from Lynch, Okay. The person who they named lynching after Lynch was destroying black people lies for no reason. Listeners other than hate deeply ingrained within himself with the noose in one hand and a Bible in the other. Now I have two open Bibles in my house at all times. And that's because I want all of that spiritual energy energy to consistently flow in my home always. I want it there always. As I reviewed the scriptures uh, that Session was talking about, I was like, what? And um, was referring to along with, uh, you know, my husband. And I'm like, really? What the what? You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's sad. It, it's sad. It's really, you know, I, I mean, yeah, Lynch, you know, he's, as you said, that's, that's where the name hanging, lynching came, you know, come from. And he came from South Africa to teach uh, uh, slave owners how to put fear in, in, in their slaves. You know, but you stand there with a Bible in, a, in one hand and a, and a noose in, in, in another. But, but, but it's mm-hmm. time, it's time, it is past time that this, administ- this so-called administration, and I'll say that again, so-called administration, is held accountable for the ridiculous thing hateful things and policies that they continue to do. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this, you know, this is against women and children, you know, people who are, who are fleeing um, uh, crime, people who are fleeing, who, who, want mm-hmm. a better, who want a better life. I never want to hear another person who comes from Europe say, well, my father and grandfather came here with nothing. They came here with nothing. They came here with two cents in their pocket, and they built a, a company, and they built blah, blah, blah. Because you have all these Republican types saying, well, these people, they can't contribute anything. They're not educated, blah, blah, blah. So never say again that your grandfather came came from wherever in Europe, and he came with nothing in his pocket. Because if exactly. he that then what did he or she have to contribute to the country when they came? Exactly. And the thing, too, uh, Reginald, is that, excuse me, now they're saying, well, you know, they're just making it up. All right. They're just making it up. They're not even abiding by the laws. They're just making it up. Oh, well, you know, it depends, you know, the asylum that they're that they're that they're they're wanting, you know, and and blah, 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 blah. And then and then you heard Jeff Sessions say that, well, you know, they want to get in this country, you know, the little imp that he is. If they, you yeah. know, want to get in this country, then they need to um, enter at the right place and all of that. You know, it's like, shut up and kiss my ass, okay? And then Trump follows it up with this this stupid rhetoric that he continues on with they're sending us the worst. Are you Are you really kidding me? <laughs> are you really fucking kidding me? Have you been looking at the crazy shit that has been going on in this country? 
Okay, it wasn't any of them that's going on coming in here and shooting up our children in the schools. Thank What's you. their nationality? What Thank is you. their nationality, Reginald? That's okay. Right. What you. is their nationality? And then, then then let's talk about the border patrol agents that I reported on my show last week. I mean, uh, we but the the May 31st, I'm sorry listeners, I'm getting a little passionate here, so hold on. The border patrol agents that were that are harming, um, um, you know, the, the the kids and everything that's there. They're molesting them and they're raping them. Okay, so uh, uh, they didn't send them over here, you know. They're sending us the worst. No, they don't have to send us the worst because we got the lowest of the Western civilization right here in this great country of ours. Trust me, they're fucking right here doing crazy stuff all the doggone time. All right. That's it. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, I'm sick and tired of it. They're sending us. They're sending us the worst. First of all, well, where the hell did you come from? You're the damn worst president. I mean, I thought Nixon was bad. You get you get the award over that. (laughs) You get the you you get the award over that. It's kind of go ahead, Reginald. it's kind of sad when I long for Nixon or George W. Bush. <laughs> Hello. Like, Hello. Oh my God. You know, and I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just sad. And, and I'm so proud of all of the former first ladies, uh, Rosalind Carter, uh, Michelle Obama, um, um, uh, Laura Bush, um, Bush. Um, and, and you know, all the former first ladies who came out and said something about this. And and as far as Melania, you know, saying, oh. but you know, oh. look, don't 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 drink that Kool Aid. That's that's all a bunch of bullshit. Don't drink that Kool Aid. Melania and Ivanka had nothing to say about about anything. That's that's you know that that's BS. You know, if they were so Thank passionate you. and compassionate, then you know, if she was that compassionate and compassionate, she wouldn't be married to this fool in the first place. Hello. So, so put, Hello. So place, you know. Hello. So and and, and it's, it's, it's exactly. And I'm not trying to interrupt you, but we go, you know, I just want to, you know, uh, move yeah. on here a little bit. But I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying because let me tell you, if that was my husband, first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't marry something, you know, as I said before, with the crust of the Western civilization. Um, the other thing is that. You know, us women, we basically rule the rules. And if our husbands are acting out of pocket, we jump on that ass. The other thing is that if that happened to be my father, okay, the thing that, that, you know, got my mother pregnant and, and I'm, and I'm here, there's no way in the world I could be working for somebody like that. As I, re, as I talked about, I don't know if I talked about this on my last show or not, Reginald, because, you know, I had a couple of weeks. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it was, I'm sure you heard this. I think you and I discussed this too in a private conversation, but it's not going to be private anymore. <laughs> Is that last year, her, meaning Ivanka and her husband made 82 million of our tax dollars, supposedly, right. you know, um, uh, advising Trump. Give me a break with that shit. Who in the hell makes 82 damn million? It, right. Okay. We're moving on. All right. Let's go to our next topic, Reginald. Native American tribes win big at the Supreme Court. This is a report by Rebecca Pillar Buck Walter Poza on 612-2018, and I pulled this report from Daily Cause. 
And eight justice Supreme Court just decided a major Indian law case by, well, not deciding it. The justices split four to four regional and issued a per curiam decision or a decision on behalf of the court that doesn't specify how each justice would vote. Anytime the court splits, the lower court's decision stands. Now, remember that from studying law. The litigation in question surrounds the salmon, the salmon rights of 21 Northwest Indian tribes who, along with the federal government, sued the state of Washington to replace nearly 1,000 culverts. Now, you know, Rachel, this is a story and it, and it, you know, it's an, uh, a story that's been going on for a while, but there's so much going on. You kind of, you know, forget these things. Um, mm-hmm. the case began under the ninth, the, the case began under the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in the 1970s. And that's why Justice Anthony Kennedy, then on that court, had to recuse himself. Okay. It's a Martin twist on an issue that dates back to the 1850s from tribes right to fish salmon established in the Stevens treaties. We arrive at, we arrive at tribes right to keep the state from taking actions that impede the salmon that tribes have a right to fish. Here that means Washington has to replace culverts that have degraded fish habitats and reduced fish populations. Okay. Um, moreover, tribes now have reason to examine other treaty rights, Reginald, in relation to state and private actions and not just surrounding the rights to fish and hunt. As noted in an earlier write-up, Professor Monty Mills of the University of Montana has speculated that this outcome could have implications for diverse tribal move- movements like those to preserve bear ears and fight the Dakota Access pipeline. At a minimum, we can hope governments and corporations alike will get the message that the Supreme Court may be more receptive to a modern and protective orientation toward tribal rights than anticipated. Your thoughts, Reginald? Mm. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many treaties that have been uh, you know, not not follow through on and 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 uh, you know so many agreements that that have been been breached. So so I applaud, I applaud, I applaud that action. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I know there are other there are other um, uh, treaties that are being um, evaluated as as well uh, because you know with this generation now. You know, you have Native Americans who are, uh, you know, their their kids are, are going to school. They're becoming attorneys. They're they're business people and all of that. And and they're looking uh, at at these treaties that have been mm-hmm. for for hundreds of years, and now going mm-hmm. to court to fight that. And I say, hooray, hurrah for that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it's fabulous. Um, as I said many times, you know, our grandfather. Um, you know, was uh, Native American, uh, Cherokee. I'm very, very proud of that. And um, um, and I'm very proud that he did uh, become a successful businessman um, there in the state of Alabama building houses. Um, you know, but uh, the way that they have done these Native Americans, as you know, I mean, it's enough, Reginald, of the stuff that they did to them in the very beginning, you know, how they just took the land from them. You know, so um, and and did whatever they wanted to do, and and then turn around and say, okay, well, you all can stay on these reservations, and this is what we're going to give you. 
you know, in hopes of, in hopes of continuing to kill them out. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, right. it's ridiculous. Right. It's, it's totally ridiculous and it's very, very ugly. It's very ugly. Okay, let's move on to our next thing. MSN.com CNBC reports Chinese investment in the U.S. drops 90% amid political pressure. Now, this is an article by Evelyn Chang. Chinese acquisitions and investments in the U.S. fell 92% regional to just $1.8 billion in the first five months of this year. Uh, uh, this has been, uh, this is a report by consulting and research firm Rhodium Group said mm-hmm. Tuesday. Now, mm-hmm. counting divestitures, net Chinese uh, deal flow to the U.S. during the time was a negative $7.8 billion, the report said. The decline follows a sharp drop in the second half of last year as pressure from both Beijing and the Trump administration curbed a recent surge in cross-border investments. Completed Chinese deals in the U.S. hit a record $46 billion in 2016 and dropped to $29 billion in 2017, according to Rhodium. In its search for investment opportunities, Chinese companies went on um, an overseas buying spree in 2015 and 2016. And I remember that, Rachel, because you and I discussed that uh, back yeah, then right. when, when they were doing that. That Yeah, and that was still during uh, the Obama administration. But now mm-hmm. China wants to, but now China wants to limit capital flight and excessive leverage. The U.S. is worried about intellectual property protection and has increased scrutiny of deals on the basis of national security. The Trump administration has also threatened restrictions on investment based on the Section 301 investigation. The same study that led to the latest tariff announcement. As a result, acquisitions worth more than two billion in the first five months of this year have fallen apart. Such as the Rhodium's group, Thilo, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Rhodium group, Thilo, uh, Hanneman said. Now they include, uh, Alibaba affiliate and financial proposed merger with MoneyGram. Okay. I remember that. H&A's plan to acquire, um, Anthony Scaramucci's Skybridge Capital. I remember that. And China backed fund Sino IC Capital efforts to buy semiconductor testing company, Xera. Now, Real estate and entertainment remained among the top three recipients of Chinese capital this year, Reginald, driven by mid-sized deals and overseas listed internet and gaming companies, Rhodium said. But thanks to seven transactions in health and biotech, the industry's share of overall Chinese deal in the U.S. rose from 9% last year to 58% so far, the report said. Now, new U.S. tariffs, um, could also give Chinese manufacturers the incentives to produce in America, the Rhodium report pointed out. But okay, Rachel, but here's my thing. Okay. The new U, the new U.S. tariffs could give Chinese manufacturers the incentive to produce in America. Now I heard on a report that Trump is thinking of taxing. This was yesterday. Trump is thinking uh-huh. of taxing China. From last year's tariffs, Reginald, like 550, it's a whopping number. And I'm like, you know, this is already done. They've already been taxed. They already done the tariffs. They already done this. You know, this is insane. But he feels that he can do what he wants to do. Congress is not doing their job. You know, right. <laughs> look, Reginald, right. um, uh, he's like the free range children story I reported on my show <laughs> recently. And there is yeah. no penalty. There's no penalty for negative actions. You know, that, the, mm-hmm. you know, that the parents of these children, you know, they're just roaming, doing whatever they want. Now, mm-hmm. 
here, here is my point on all of this, Reginald, this cray crayness, and I want to hear what you have to say. If China produces here in the U.S., let's say, let's just high say hypothetically. Yeah. Then it negates the responsibility for paying taxes and our tariffs on goods that they are producing, you know, and who knows what else could come out of this silly person's head to make it harder for them, the Chinese that is, should they do the affirmation, should they decide to manufacture their goods here. So what do you think about this, Reginald? Yeah. You know, this this knucklehead just started just started a trade war. And <laughs> and the Chinese well, you know, American farmers are already beginning to uh, soybean farmers are already beginning to and will feel the pinch. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're worried about it because, you know, he's put tariffs on that. And so the Chinese have just said, well, you know what, we'll just get our soybean and corn from different countries in South America and Central America. So so now you've got mm-hmm. this whole market that's just going to, you know, sit there where they had it good. They were, you know, they had a, they had a consumer, you know, who was taking their products. And, and now he decided to come in and throw tariffs in, in, in there. And, and the same thing he's, he's doing with, with, with steel and aluminum, come up with this made up stuff from, from, um, from, from Canada. I mean, it's just ridiculous how yeah. he disrespected the Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau. And, and yeah. had all his minions come. I watched CNN and I can't remember this, this knucklehead's name who's standing there and, and he's saying all these ugly negative things about the, the Canadian prime minister saying there's a warm place in hell for him. Anybody who goes against Donald J. Trump. I'm like, are you kidding me? Doesn't that make you want to just fly through the television or the radio when you hear stupid asinine crap like that? Who the hell is Donald J. Trump? He's and just another red this, and white corpuscle person who is lost and an asshole. But go ahead. And I don't know what makes me angrier. We've talked about this before, how them come and saying those things or the people who are interviewing them just sit there and let them get away with it. You know, I mean, oh, it's like, gosh. okay, what do you, you know, why are you there just to, just to sit there? And here's another thing since we're on there. CNN, MSNBC, I like you all, but, you know, there's a lot of Democratic uh, mayors, state senators, U.S. senators that you all can come on to talk about issues. Stop bringing on Kellyanne Conway and oh, every Republican please. that you can find who we never uh, even heard of. You know? Yeah. And, and just one more thing quickly, and just to show you how stupid and uneducated Donald Trump is, he said to the Canadian Prime Minister, oh, your country burned down the White House. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, that was the British oh. in the War of 1812. So, you okay. know, it's just, it, I mean, did, and it's no excuse. He's 70-something years old, and these things were taught in school during that time. So he's supposed to be such mm-hmm. a good student and everything. So, so it's just, it makes my head spin. I'm it telling you, and, let's, and since we're spin. saying stupid shit, how about the way he saluted the, the the North Korean general. Oh my God! Oh oh yeah. Has that been President Obama? Has that been? Oh my President God! Clinton? Oh my God! Has that been Hillary Clinton? Has it? They would have been. You know. It, oh, we need well impeachment. He saluted a, a you know a, a, a Korean general.
isn't it? Vote, vote. Vote November. Vote. Get out like and vote, saying. people. Vote. You got to vote. I mean, this just cannot happen. This just cannot happen. This is a person that has so much of, you know, um, impeachment offenses that you can run it all around the, you know, the whole world three or four times with things that he's done that he should not have done. And Congress has allowed him to do it. And then yeah. he turns around and comes out there and opens up his big fat mouth and say this is the democrats this is a law the democrats the democrats can introduce you know maybe he need you know what reginald you know that you know back in the in the day when you know you had you know the um on schoolhouse rock you know and the the bill i'm just a bill yes he needs to he needs to start there so he can learn how laws are made okay because it's very obvious he doesn't and so, you know, it's it's just, you know, wow. Yeah. I I I'm just, you wow. know, but back to this this report about the tariffs and mm-hmm. well, a lot of the um farmers voted for this clown. Okay? Right. Although, you yeah. know, we we know who had the last word of 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 the electoral college got his ass in there, nevertheless, you voted for him. A lot of them were on TV saying, oh, I voted for him. So now your yeah. ass is in trouble in the industry that you are. Here's the thing that people don't understand. They're so full of hate that they're blinded. You don't know that your ass, your job is on the damn line for those who work in the aluminum, uh, you know, steel industry, soybeans, right. as you were just talking about, Reginald. I mean, the, it, the, the, the soybean, if this, if this crap keeps going down, this industry is going to erode, okay, yeah. right in front of our faces and right in front of the faces of those who are collectively at his at his stupid um, uh, gatherings and carrying on saying crazy things about, you know, mental health issue, uh, oh, people yeah. who have mental health yeah. issues and, and things like that. You know what I mean? So now, so now what's going to happen to your ass when your shit falls apart, your farm is taken away. You can't do right. then what? Then what? You know, it's right. going to be massive job loss. I mean, I mean, you know, if people don't start really thinking about this thing and really listening, and I just want to say this, since you was talking about vote, we both was uh, was was chanting vote, vote, vote. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the, that all of the young people out there who had all okay. of this momentum earlier this year and last year about getting people registered to vote. Now I know that the media is not. Uh, covering these things, I'm sure that they're out, still out there, Reginald, doing their mm-hmm. thing. But you know, the media wants right. you to think that they've, you know, that they've been silenced or they've lost momentum of all of that. And and that's not that's the truth. I don't believe it. That the media is just not covering it. Um, and I, I will say this: we're talking about people speaking up. I I ter- I was on my feet when that guy was all over Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay? Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. I loved it. I absolutely yes. loved it. And, and I'm like, please get inspired to other people sit down there in the audience. Quit being the bobbing head. You got your head shaking and she's, and she's going to out talk you. I don't think so. I mean, this is ridiculous. Oh my right. God. Okay. Let's move on, Reginald. Okay. Time.com, time.com reported a story titled Black Fathers Share Their Fears and Hopes for Their Sons in America Today. And um, this is um, 
Um, this was, a, a, it, it was in, by Eddie S. Glaude Jr., June 15, 2018. Now, this is an excellent read, Reginald, and my listeners. So I'm just going to say a little bit of it, and you guys go out there and read it in its entirety. It's beautiful. This, this individual says, I am sure I am not alone. Black fathers throughout this country struggle to raise their sons in a world where they seemingly have, <clears throat> seemingly have bull, bull's eyes on their backs. We work hard at striving the delicate balance between unconditional love and providing the discipline our sons and daughters will need to survive in America. We watch them as they take their first steps, teach them how to ride their bikes without training wheels. We attend their basketball games, tend to their scratches and bruises, argue and fight with them when they become teenagers, worry about their choices and their futures. We do so while much of the country well, much of white America, believes we are absent from our children's lives. The stereotype of the absent black father has masqueraded as common sense, even in the even if the data suggests otherwise. Now, Joss Lee's 2015 book, All In, showed that the majority of black men do live with their children. A 2013 Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report found that black fathers are more likely than white and Hispanic counterparts to bathe, read to, talk with, and review homework with their children on a daily basis. Of course, there are black men who have turned their backs on their children, but they are no different than any other man or men who have done the same. So here we are, Reginald, in 2018. And the lies continue to roam the minds of people, white people, actually. Now, this is not all people, all white people out there, but enough to make this report very relative to the disheartening stories that were manifested hundreds of years ago about black men and their lack of fatherhood. So this is another example of a huge portion of whites trying to consistently denigrate black men. So this is why I stated in a report on my program a bit ago, that slavery is not dead. It is still around, just in other forms. I had a fantastic father. My brother and I shared the same mom and same dad. As you listeners hear me speak of him as though he is still with us, but he transitioned in 1971. And I am so grateful to God that he was with my, that he was my dad and I was his girl. He was a great example of what a total man should be to my brothers. As I said, I like this report and you have the info as to all of my reports. As I usually invite you, my listeners, to pull it up, read it and form your own opinions. Once you've been educated with the contents of this report, then your mind will be more open and freely to see what it is you need to see. Your thoughts, Reginald? Uh, and uh, absolutely, and you know, as you were saying that, my my mind went to went to our father. You know, absolutely, we we had a wonderful dad. He was there. He was present. Uh, you know, with us, he you know on Sundays went to church. You know, after you know their times we with the Sundays going driving around, he would show us places that he was working the the houses that he was working in and building and things like that. He was he taught us things. He talked to us about politics. He, told us and, and you know how to be a, a good human being how to talk well how to be respectful and there are other black men 
the same. Your yes. Son, my nephew Paris does the same. I know of other, you know, men who do the same thing. So this stereotype of, you know, black men who are just absentee from their families is is not true. It's a it's a it's a stereotype, but it's just another negative stereotype that has been put out there, um, you know, against black men. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and, and it just and, and it just and it's and it's I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and just say this quickly, I know go we ahead, don't, don't, don't have a lot of time. That you know, it's a shame that that black men have to have at the age of nine, ten, eleven and twelve have to have that talk with their sons about how to react when they're confronted by the police. You know, my my white brothers you guys don't have to have that talk with your son when they're 9, 10, 12, 13 years old. You don't have to have that talk with, with, with your son of what to do if they're pulled over at 16, 17, 18 when they're driving or if they're approached. Mm-hmm. I was watching uh, on YouTube the other day. There was a young man in the mall, and, and the police officer stopped him. He was Actually, he was with his fiance, and the police stopped him and said, uh, you know, I want to see your ID. I think you might have a warrant. And the guy said, you know, what, what do you mean I might have a warrant? Uh, I never uh, had a might. Uh, might. Yeah, might. That, that, uh, exactly. That's the that's operative might. Keyword. There you go. Oh. Keyword. And, you know, this young man is articulate. He said, look, I, I've never even had a speeding ticket. I never had any kind of ticket. I don't have, you know, I, I don't have, I've never been to court in my life. I don't, you know. But it's that you might have a warrant. So again, that, as I said before, that's that talk that black men have to have with their son. That's that talk as a social worker, as a therapist that I have had with young men of color, of young Latino men and young black men of color that have had this talk with them, you know, of how to mm-hmm. react and how to act when, not if, but when they are approached. By a police officer. By by a police officer, and this is a these are the talks that I had with my sons uh, years ago when they were coming up about you know racism and what to do and how to act and and if this happens and so forth and so on. And I have these talks with my grandson um, now, you know, about uh, racism and um, and and things that that and and how to act and things that are happening and it's very true. Um, you know, the things that you see on TV is, is actuality. Um, I, I would like to talk. I, I, we, we still have a little bit of time, Richard, but we're going to get all this in. But I want to uh, talk about that. On Sunday, we went to Ak Chin Pavilion to see REO Speedwagon and uh, Chicago perform. Oh, my husband wow. and I. Yeah, I, I thought I told you that. Oh, oh man. Oh, then listen, Reginald. I was only maybe about 10 feet from the stage, okay? Wow, okay. OMG, that was a concert. It started at 7. It was real nice. I really don't mm-hmm. like Ak Chin. You know, I really I like to have a, a different uh, venue, but I'm so in love with Chicago because on my mm-hmm. bucket list is to see all of these people that, you know, I grew up with, that we grew up with. I want to see mm-hmm. them. And, you know, in, in actual, you know, perform actual, you know, but, um, yeah. I know I told, um, our older brother, uh, Bruce and, and Righty, but I thought for sure 
Um, I, I told you, cause you know, I, I usually tell you these things, but we went, the, the uh, concert started at seven and I'm all excited and everything, but here's the thing. So, you know, they, they have all of this security and stuff going through. And I, and so I guess some of the women's purses was not small enough or whatever. Then, you know, they had like their picks and choices of, okay, yeah, we'll pick her, but then no, we'll let these 99 go through. So anyway, so I get up there, I have a small red purse, you know, crossbody. You know, and because, uh, you know, your sister can have some big purses because I carry, you know, your car and everything in it. But um, mm-hmm. I had, you know, got down to a smaller purse, you know, and so she put it in the thing. And this one lady says, oh, this is not going to fit. And it fits in there. OK. And I'm showing mm-hmm. her. I says, well, she 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 had unfolded the purse. I says, no, it's, it's uh, supposed to be folded. I'm trying to explain to her. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have that much fucking patience for racism. Because yeah. as I told you before, I am my father's daughter. And as you say, I'm quite assertive. So I'm like, you know, not quite, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was understatement. I'm very <laughs> assertive. But 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 anyway, um, so Reginald and my listeners, you know, so then it says, OK, well, um, you're going to have to, you know, I'm trying to ex- explain to her. And she said, yeah. look, ma'am, I said, you know, don't look, ma'am, me. You know, it's like I ain't taking that bullshit. So I went back to the car and she says. I told her, I let her know, you know, that, that I'm a judge and then this and that, the other, then she kind of calmed down, you know. So I, I, you know, she says, well, I'll let you back. I'll let you back. You know, you just come back and then, and then, and here's my point. My husband is standing right there. Okay. They didn't ask him anything. They didn't say anything to him. They just said shit. All right. Because he's white. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah it's, yeah. And so the thing is, is that I'm like, okay, you should have stood up there and said, look, we're together. What's the, what's the problem? What, you know, it, it's so mm-hmm. crazy. So then we, we come back and we, we come back and we go in. We're having, we're having a great time, Reginald. So, you know, I'm at the stage. Okay. I was fist bumping, uh, the, uh, Chicago, um, uh, uh, drummer. Reginald, it was, it was fabulous. Mm. It, it was fabulous. So it was this white gentleman standing just, you know, people were standing there and I was standing, you know, right by him, not up on him, right by him. But you could see that he was he was agitated, you know. So yeah. I, I you know, I had to say to him, is there an issue? Is there a problem? And he didn't he didn't say anything. You know, he just kept mm-hmm. no nobody. You know, it's just it's just so it's, it's just so stupid. So I just wanted to mention that. But the concert was off the chain. OK, so now. Let me move on to this. Obama to America. We have to do more than say this isn't who we are. We have to prove it, Reginald. Um, okay. Um, um, today, uh, this was a, a report by Walter Eidnickel. He's of the Daily Cause staff, and this was on June 20th, 2018. And, um, uh, it is World Refuge Day on the 20th, it was, and President Barack Obama just posted his thoughts on the matter. He said, if you've been fortunate enough to have been born in America, imagine for a moment if circumstances had placed you somewhere else. Imagine if you've been born in a country where you grew up fearing your life and eventually the lives of your children. A place where you finally found yourself so desperate to flee persecution, violence, and suffering that you'd be willing to travel thousands of miles on the cover of darkness, enduring dangerous conditions, propelled forward by very human impulse to create for our kids a better life. 
That's the reality for so many of the families whose plights we see and heart-rending cries we hear. And to watch those families broken apart in real time puts us um, a, into a very simple question. Are we a nation that accepts the cruelty of ripping children from their parents' arms, or are we a nation that values families and work to keep them together? Do we look away, or do we choose to see something of ourselves and our children? Our ability to... Um, Imagine ourselves in the shoes of others to say there, but for the grace of God, you know, is part of what makes us human. And to find a way to welcome the refugee and the immigrant to be big enough and wise enough to uphold our laws and honor our values at the same time is part of what makes us American. After all, almost all of us were strangers once, too. Whether our families cross the Atlantic, the Pacific or the Rio Grande, we're only here because this country welcomed them in and taught them that taught them to be an American. It's something more than what it looked like, how our last names sound or why or or why we worship the way we do. To be an American is to have a shared commitment to an ideal that all of us are created equal and all of us deserve the chance to become something better. That's the legacy our parents and grandparents and generations before created for us. And it's something we have to protect for the generations to come. But we have to do more than just say this isn't who we are. We have to prove it through our policies, our laws, our actions and our votes. This is who we are until we change who we are. OK, Reg, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to say this because I want you to comment on what I just said. In closing, you know, mm-hmm. I would like to say that this is a terrible occurrence with these immigrants that is happening in our country. And it has to stop. I'm appalled and pissed about how these children are being treated. I am praying for a speedy resolution to a situation that is more than off the spectrum of how you treat human beings. The world is watching how fast this country continues to fall down the abyss of nothingness as Trump and his henchmen continue to tear away the very fiber of what in God we trust mean. President Obama is correct. This is who we are until we change who we are. Okay, Reginald, very quickly, your comments? Mm-hmm. That Very, very well spoken by uh, President Obama. And, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll say what he said during the, the last presidential campaign when he would mention something and people would boo. He would say, don't boo, vote. Thank you. So, so that's what I'll leave, leave you guys with. Don't boo, vote. Exactly. I mean, it's enough of this, you know, um, we want change. We want change. Okay. Well, you have your opportunity to make a change when you vote in November. You know, you can make a change. You can, you know, stop all of this rhetoric of the Democrats aren't doing this when the, when the Republicans got control of both houses, Reginald. People don't understand this. They don't get it. Oh, this is the, they're following his lead. Oh, this is the, this is the, 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 uh, Democrats. Uh, it's, it's their issue. It's their problem. No, no, it's not. No, no, it is not. And I heard Reginald right. that, um, he was at another rally or something. Uh, did you yeah, hear that? Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday in, in Missouri. I mean, he uh, goes to the same place as Missouri. They only got like three or four, four states that, um, that, um, you know, that, that he can go to to, um, um, you know, state his his uh, nasty rhetoric, you know. But also, Reginald, I also want to get in 
that um, he was supposed he supposedly had signed an executive order on Wednesday um, saying that it is ending um, ending his administration policy of separating migrant children from the parents who were detained as they attempted to enter the U.S. illegally. However, Reginald, what is being said is that um, it doesn't like grandfather in the children that are already, you know, separated and things like that. Did you hear that? Yeah, I, I heard that too. It, it was that was just a dog and pony show, and and again, you know, he sat there and said that no, this is a you know just what you said. No, this is a democratic bill. The Democrats have to blah blah blah. But this was his policy. This is him and Jeff Sessions' policy, and all he had to yes. do was pick up a phone and say, hey, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. So, uh, you know, all that executive order signing was just a dog and pony show. Exactly. And I'm going to say this. We got about a minute and a half. The president doesn't get any brownie points for moving from a policy of locking up kids and families uh, separately to a policy of locking them up together, said Karen Tumlin, director of legal strategy at the National Immigration Law Center. Let's be clear. Trump is making a crisis of his own creation worse. Okay, this is a report from um, NPR titled Trump's Executive Order on Family Separation, What It Does and Doesn't Do by Richard Gonzalez. Thank you very much uh, for listening to me and uh, my brother on these very important topics. Um, I wish you all the best. Uh, we will be back next Thursday, my brother and I. And you know we're going to give it to you straight. We're going to give it to you um, good. We're going to give it to you hard, but it's all about love. Um, please be kind to yourself and others. Reginald, you have a fantastic day. You know I love you and appreciate you being on my show. And um, I will see you next week along with the world's best mental health therapist. Make it a great day. <laughs>